Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Theo Keeps Talking podcast. My name is Theo. I wanted to say thank you for joining me. If this is your second time or your first time, all are welcome. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. And today will be the beginning of my specialized topics. The first episode was filling it out, getting my intro and my information out there. This episode, we'll be talking about social media, content creation, and monetization. So over the past week, a few updates to provide you all. Uh, I just had my 23rd birthday, so I've officially moved into boomer territory. I also got the word that my university has postponed our in-person graduation ceremony to the fall, so there's that. Uh, Personally, I feel as though it's would be the safest decision. It just is rough for the graduating seniors such as myself. There you know you'd go for a lot of us go through a good amount of education and training preparation and you know your one glory where you get your very expensive piece of paper to tell you that you finally completed college uh gets a little it gets pushed back but for public health concerns it's okay. Uh understand the sentiment behind it, even though it does sting a little, it's all good. Um, in addition to that, the U.S. has passed all other countries as having the most confirmed uh, cocoa virus cases. And uh, Miss Rona, she's acting up. And you know what? It's it's good for us to stay inside. Uh, I don't really mind, even though I'm an unbelievably high social extrovert on any measurement test you were to give me. I would break any metrics provided. Uh, It's not going too bad for me. I've fully dived into the idea of creating content on TikTok. I realize that I'm more Gen Z than not. So I might as well fully immerse myself in the fact that I missed the millennial cutoff. So before we get into the topic, I give a quick preface i uh, i as a content consumer have been on youtube for the better part of an entire decade i believe i was watching youtube ever since ryan higa aka niga higa was top two top three content creators on the platform i remember when excuse me when fred and annoying orange worked taking over the charts as we knew it. Um, I remember I just Steen and Ray William Johnson. I've been from when Slender Man came out. So PewDiePie went from, you know, having his niche to taking over YouTube as we knew it. Um, and it's been quite the, quite the rise for my understanding of YouTube going from a teenager to now a senior in college and still consistently consuming content through them. And I decided to take my business understanding of how uh, YouTube and other social media platforms work, put my business mind to it and talk about how profitable it can be while also talking about the risks and costs associated with diving into that kind of lifestyle. So let's start with YouTube. So to make content on YouTube, the 
most known way is to apply to the YouTube partnership program. And the point of doing the partnership program is that you would get ads on your video and you make money based on how many people watch your video. So as of April 2017, YouTube made it made it known that you needed to have 10,000 lifetime views on your channel before you applied to the partner program. So over the course of however long you've been posting content, if you had 10,000 views, you apply for the program. That changed in January 2018, where YouTube changed the protocol so that you needed to have 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time in the previous 12 months for you to apply for the partner program. So moving off of that first system into the second system. Now, how YouTube works in terms of revenue, it's this measurement called CPM or cost per meal, which is based on cost per 1000 engagements on any piece of content. So on YouTube, the average range is $3 to $10 per 1000 engagements on a video. And for reference, YouTube pays out 55% of all advertising revenue to their creators in the partner program. Now, advertiser location, content friendliness, and viewer demographics also matter. So if you are user friendly in the US, you'll do better than if you're more adult, adult uh, facing content in Brazil or wherever country you may be. So let's take a average, so say, that there's a con content creator out there who makes like a consistent stream of videos and their CPM would be at seven, $7. And they get 50, around 50,000 views per video. That means that per video, they're gonna get $7 times 50 since it's per thousand, uh, 50 gets you $350 per video. Now I took, as my example, I took one of my favorite YouTubers of all time, I took Spoozy. Uh, and I'm just gonna go with a super modest seven CPM since he is unbelievably content friendly, no profanity, anything like that. It's and usually the videos are completely animated. So I took his, also took his, every video in the past year of Spoozy's. So those videos have an average of 1.8 million views across 11 videos and with a modest of shooting very low, seven CPM, they get some $12,600 per video, which is low, uh, I assume $7. And the CPM doesn't end as long as the videos continue to be watched. So he has a few videos that are under 500,000 views, which as, as the trends would follow, his views will then, like his, his audience will push those views over 500,000 maybe into the million so his CPM in that range also goes up. So if he has $12,600 which like I said is low on the low end and that's across the 11 videos he has, he's already making six figures just on those YouTube videos alone. So just giving a bit of perspective here, if you post daily videos, say you're a vlogger or a video gamer and you have like let's just say you're in the range of $350 per video like i mentioned in the first uh, in the first example that's like that's fantastic say you're making about let's just say you're putting in around 
a like a video a day or a daily vlogger or you create like video game content so you're automatically making a good amount of revenue because you're posting pretty consistently and if you were to hold your 50,000 views per you're making six figures on that as well but let's say you're only posting weekly monthly that's very that's a very low amount and that's especially this is just talking about revenue and we'll get into like what those implication means what those implications mean later now there's going to be there's also different ways that revenue can reach a youtuber as a whole so for that i wanted to talk about how the modernization of celebrities has worked so one of the best examples that i had was will smith will smith had mentioned that before he made his instagram which is completely blown up he his reasoning for so, like him not having social media platforms was that in the late 90s and like early 2000s you as a celebrity the idea was to be exclusive like not only have public appearances and not have too much individual one-to-one -one contact with fans but as we've shifted into a more modern era involving social media engaging with your fans is where you become more relevant and more popular as a celebrity so to speak so since brands are aware that we are in what's known as an experience economy that personalities are the people that drive engagement once you see someone do something of course fomo the fear of missing out is going to kick in you're going to want to do it especially considering if you are like very tied in with certain celebrities that you like you seeing your celebrity do something is going to your favorite celebrity do something is going to make you want to do it more than seeing someone that you have no idea do it so these brands will then choose to go through certain creators and go through certain agencies or like a certain ad offering for certain content creators to post their ads on their videos or do certain brand deals, sponsorships, whatever it may be for for those people to get their audience into those brands, like a uh, relevant range of consumers. So there's going to be different kinds of content and advertising for YouTubers specifically. Specifically, So the first one that I mentioned were, was the YouTube partner program. The second it would be direct or corporate sponsorships. So brands will give you an upfront cost for you to make content involving their ad, provide your fans for like a link to use if they give like a discount code or whatever it may be. So one of the most popular ones that we've seen, uh, especially if you've been YouTube as long as I have is audible.com. So there's a lot of content creators who will have like a sponsorship through audible. You use their link, you get, you sign up with their link, you get one free, uh, you get one free audiobook from the Audible platform and everything like that. And then one of the one of the other kinds of brand offerings and advertiser uh, revenue options is a YouTube multi-channel network or an MCN. Now this is usually the route that most content creators go through. Going through an MCN, not only does it allow you to have your multi-channel network that you're in find advertisers for you but they also allow you to have uh, copyright permissions on your content so the worst thing that could happen is you have a certain stream of content and you can't copyright it right you're an individual consumer and content creator like you have 10,000 subs 
and you can't copyright your material, someone can copy it and they're in a network and they can take the copyright for your idea from you and now your revenue is lost. So what you would do is you would join a multi-channel network and that would allow you to copyright your content, your partner, like your partner uh, program is also included in that. So you still get revenue from YouTube itself. In addition to that, you your parent company for your uh, for your channel would have you would have they would have them find content for you. You would be able to partner with other YouTube creators, so you already have like a network of people that you can collaborate with, build your consumer bases together, and on top of that copyright protections definitely are necessary when you're producing individualized content. So moving into the source of revenue as a content creator that has blown up in the past two years and one that I've been following very closely since the genesis of it was video game streamers. So if you are unfamiliar with this video game streaming involves playing games to a live audience and they can interact with you in your chat and they can watch you play for however many hours you're live throughout the day now the most famous video game streamer especially ever since uh march of 2018 was drake uh sorry was ninja and he played with drake uh ninja it was playing Fortnite, and Drake hopped in the lobby. He had over 500,000 concurrent viewers, which was insanity. And I remember I was watching it live. I was playing Fortnite, but I was no good at it. And I was watching Ninja play with Drake, and I was like, oh, my God. I like It's time for me to play Fortnite with my friends. It's time to get better. I want to try all those things that Ninja was doing. And I was like, okay, Drake's not bad at this. You know, it, it brought so many people to the game. And then it just all exploded from there. So for reference, you can, there's four main kinds of uh, revenue from specifically Twitch and video game streamers. So there's a platform called Twitch, which is owned by Amazon, and one of the, be- the one of the most consistent and easiest sor- sources of revenue for uh, video game streamers is direct subscriptions. So subscribers on YouTube and subscribers on a platform such as Twitch are not the same. the The closest equivalent for those two platforms is subscribers on YouTube are like followers on Twitch. Subscribers on Twitch actually pay to receive the content. So the most basic form of subscription is a tier one subscription, which is $4.99 a month. So round up to $5. And that level of content means the streams are ad free. You get a certain number of like emotes, which are little designed emojis basically to use in that streamers chat. And you interact with people in the chat. Certain, Certain streams are like subscriber only. Um, so you get an access to like that kind of content. And also for most, for most Twitch channels, when you subscribe to them, your name pops up on the screen for a little bit and your name is now officially in their, in their stream and you're helping support them and you get their content ad free. 
what then happens is there's a second tier which is worth 9.99 and then another tier which is worth 24.99 um and what ends up happening is you can also gift subs uh so there's certain people in chat that are like they're very generous or they have a lot of disposable income whatever it may be and they'll gift people that are following the the streamer but not subscribe to them they'll gift them a sub so they don't have to so like the individual person who receives that does not have to pay and it's like this whole phenomenon that was added in recent years that allows streamers just to blow up out of nowhere because gifted subs are insane and also since uh twitch is on my amazon there's this thing called a twitch prime sub so if you link your amazon prime account with your twitch account you can subscribe to your favorite streamer for free and ninja was blowing up in the sub count um from twitch prime subs in the time frame that that was that was that was going on where he just blew up and i have just a lovely set of numbers to describe how how much ninja blew up so in the month of march in 2018 when when he played with drake ninja had 50,000 subs right which is an insane number like that's like if minimum value that's $250,000 in revenue a month your sub your subscription lasts for one month and <laughs> he then jumped to a whopping 269,000 subs that month which means at the very least he made one million three hundred forty five thousand dollars in one month off of just revenue and we're gonna get into the other types of revenue but those are just subs revenue minimum one hundred one million three hundred forty five thousand and that's that's me doing the math based off of tier one subs and twitch prime subs that's not counting tier twos and that's not counting tier threes and it's also not counting the second category of revenue which are donations so there's also there's a different kind of donation called a bit so you can donate smaller amounts of money or you can donate straight up dollars dollar dollar amounts to your favorite streamers and usually when people donate they get to they put a spe like a little message along with like the their monetary donation and when that happens like you're like usually the streamer that you want to see your donation is going to read it and the the value of that to certain people is worth the donation so i mean some streamers have no donation limit for it to show up on the screen some people have five dollar limit ten dollar like minimum donations to show up on the screen and for those who like who may scoff at that idea the easiest parallel is just just as simple as this how much would you pay way back when or however long it may be for your favorite celebrity on earth to say your name when they go live or in their like like Twitter caption or tweet or Instagram caption, whatever it may be, or if they went on IG Live and said your name, how much is that worth to you? That's how that that's how that value system works for these people. Um, the third kind of uh, 
video game streaming revenue are sponsored streams. So game developers will sponsor entire streams for content creators to show off their game. And one of the better examples that I have is from Ninja. Ninja was reportedly paid $1 million in January of 2019 to stream the game Apex Legends upon release. And that may be thinking like that's a lot of money, but technically that's I would say that's pretty fair price considering that that game it was free upon release. And of course, there's in-game purchasable content. But for me as a business, if I want to immediately get a lot of people to play my brand new game, I'm not going to advertise it in like Best Buy. I'm not going to advertise it on like in a t- on a TV show I'm going to advertise it straight in a like in a stream have a content creator show my game because the idea is that when you have a content creator play your game like I said it's an experience economy and the like the whole fear of missing out thing if you're going to have that entire person's audience play that game they're going to see their favorite content creator playing it they're going to be like oh that looks fun because they're probably playing it with their friends so you get an entire following of people to play that one game by incentivizing one streamer so of course they didn't just pay ninja but it was reportedly that he was either the highest paid or the tied for highest paid with another streamer known as shroud and also, it isn't just video games that get sponsored. You can, for example, uh, two content creators that I watch, they were paid by Hershey's to do several content-sponsored streams and on Twitch and have that, that video on demand uploaded to YouTube. And the last uh, source of revenue that I'm personally aware of are exclusive rights deals. So brands will choose an avenue of sponsorship that will pay the streamer, give them free swag, but ensure that they're the only brand that they're used. So the easiest parallel that I have is when you have a NBA player and they sign an exclusive deal with like Nike or Adidas. That means in game and like elsewhere, that basketball player isn't wearing the other brand stuff. So LeBron signed a lifetime deal with nike that means he's not wearing under armor means he's not wearing adidas he's not wearing puma like he is wearing nike all the time whenever wherever he's wearing nike so and especially for (laughs) for content creators especially video game creators specifically there's a lot of different avenues for sponsorship you have their keyboard their mouse their headset there like then you can also do apparel shoes whatever it may be so there's a lot going on and you have a lot of different people who have different areas where they can be sponsored i mean one one content creator his name's dr lupo he is like he's sponsored by state farm like as a video game creator he's sponsored by state farm which is insane but he also has a number of other uh, sponsors State Farm, Logitech, NZXT, Secret Lab, and he's by Intel. There's Gillette, Hershey's, like I mentioned earlier. There's so many avenues for these people to get sponsored by. There's whole content creation teams that are sponsored by Chipotle, by Razor, by Grubhub. There's so many. Totino's Pizza Rolls sponsors entire teams. Rocket Mortgage sponsors teams. So. There are so many 
avenues out there. And one of the craziest things is watching non-traditional uh, video game companies sponsor that content, right? Um, like certain, even car companies get involved. Um, Puma did a uh, like did an apparel release with one esports organization, and there is so many ways to and like for companies to involve themselves in this kind of space. <clears throat> Excuse me. And now I'm going to talk about social media. So there's going to be three categories I'm going to go through for social media influencers. So the first type is the macro influencer. Macro influencers have usually 1 million plus followers and the the contract with them is basically a gigantic lump sum up front to both the agent their agent and the influencer themselves and their stipulations involved with the contract. So upon signature, you have to do like a photo shoot with the products, a certain number of posts with the specific language involved, a certain number of stories, and then a certain number of public appearances as well. So one example was Nicki Minaj and Cardi B were beefing a while ago and Cardi B had posted a contract with the brand Diesel that featured the following. It was one photo shoot, four posts, four stories, and one public appearance. All of that was for, for them to pay her $750,000 and 10% of royalties on all sales do, during that promotion, which is a huge lump sum up front for that kind of deal. Um, and these are when you see like the like I can only imagine when like who could get like uh, Kylie Jenner or The Rock or whatever. There was a report a while ago that mentioned that it was either Kylie Jenner or Kim Kardashian made that could make five hundred thousand dollars per sponsored Instagram post. And that is completely true that like the numbers especially considering how many followers these people have the numbers aren't on followers they are based on engagements but even if you have in the upwards of 70 80 million followers you're gonna have you're gonna have a pretty high engagement in that and it also depends on what platform this is on you can have people on instagram you can have people do this on twitter and now even tiktok you can have sponsored content happen on there um I mean, when when you really look at it, Kylie Jenner has 167 million Instagram followers. I'm pretty sure any company w uh, worth any kind of sense to whatever her demographic may be will think $500,000 is nothing. If we had, like, if we were going to, if we're going to miss out on something due to like coronavirus taking out certain kinds of public events just go straight to a consumer because they can still post even though they may be in isolation you send them the package they wear it in their house they post about it boom immediate turnaround then you have the mid-level influencers which are the second type and you would usually contact contact an influencer management firm and these influencer management firms they would provide studios and they would negotiate the contract for the influencer and sometimes these studios some like would charge a 10 to 20% commission on all deals. That's because they're putting in the legwork for the mid-level influencer. So they're taking care of all of the negotiations and which brands would be like available for their kind of creation. And it was reported per Ringer PhD that 
these levels of consumers make $70,000 to $200,000 on average. And then lastly, there are the nano influencers and these people have 10,000 followers or less. And these people you would find in databases. So you would do, these people would do a brand task. A brand puts out a listing, say, hey, do this, uh, use these hashtags, say these ex- these three to four sentences in your post, post it, we'll send you a flat fee worth of money. And this is good for the both the brand and good for the, like the micro, the nano influencer because there's such an increasingly crowded market for the like these this size and this range of influencers that the nano influencer can prove their worth and the brand doesn't have to deal with the hairy negotiations that may be involved with trying to lock down an individual influencer and these people can range from 30,000 to 60,000 dollars on average in revenue per year now all this is great but it's all great when it goes well. So I just wanted to address some of the pitfalls that can come from the top, from these kinds of topics. So as a disclaimer, uh, if you're pursuing this avenue because you like to create content, go for it. If you're doing it because it's a money grab, you need to be incredibly dedicated. Um, every content creator that I've heard talking about their meteoric success mentions how it never started because of money, but when the community was built around them and they had uh, met the right people and developed a very nice routine that the money came later, but not, but they didn't get into creating content for said money. Those are the people I've heard of. I would, wouldn't be shocked if there were people that were outliers that just so happened to get into it because of the money and they blew up also. So overall pitfalls, the number one thing is oversaturation. Um, there are significantly more people who are 50,000 followers or YouTube subscribers or less in this space than there are with 50,000 or more. Um, and it's very hard to break through, especially considering when March 2018 happened and Ninja blew up and people were like, oh my God, you can make money playing video games. I can do that. When that happened, the like the market just flooded with people. Um, and especially in, in the Instagram influencer market, that's just been blowing up lately. So you have a good amount of people competing for like that same like that same market space and the same, like how all have the same aspirations in mind. And it's hard for everyone to get the right amount of exposure because sometimes it just has to deal with luck. Sometimes it involves meeting the right people, collabing with the right people. And some of those things aren't instantaneous. Um, For example, one of the Twitch streamers that I know who absolutely blew up even after Ninja blew up, like it was just a, the entire industry followed suit and did really well. They had been streaming for well over five, six years. And then all of a sudden, like the success came, like the unprecedented level of success where now they're making, excuse me, well over six figures per month overall. 
like that was there was just no reason to know that that was going to happen like they hadn't planned for one day drake saying hey ninja let's play fortnite they didn't even plan that fortnite was going to blow up in the way that it did so there's no way to know exactly when those things are going to come so that those people had been grinding for years upon years upon years um and it's also just think about it for an individual perspective how many people do you know that have that that are makeup artists that have a youtube channel and things like that and how many of them specifically have blown up or have like a consistent uh sub, like stream of revenue whatever it may be some for most people it's you know a, a side hustle it's hard because it, it's even hard to commit to something that doesn't have immediate cash flow when as a full-time career when you actually have a job or you're still a student or whatever it may be specifically on youtube one of the biggest pitfalls is demonet- demonetization and this can come from a wave of sources there is um like there was this one really big uh controversy that involved on youtube like bad actors and people making things that were labeled as children's content but when you actually watch it was just uh just awful to watch and very it's not kid friendly in the slightest and that relate that then caused YouTube to do a gigantic overhaul of uh, their monetization towards kid-friendly and kid-directed content that affected a lot of people in that space. And you can never really control what all of a sudden is going to happen to your market, but I I, I guess as we can say, that applies to everything now. Uh, I would have never guessed that a virus would cause the NBA to stop and March Madness to stop with the NCAA's gigantic money machine that they so happen to have. But it uh, it happened. And it's pretty insane that there are so many there's there's an unlimited amount of external factors. But when it comes to things on YouTube, that is definitely something to take into consideration. And then also for YouTube, and this will relate to Twitch as well, but they're, the upfront costs for YouTube are pretty high. Like depending on your kind of content, let's just say you're doing, you're, you're a vlogger, a lifestyle vlogger, or whatever it may be, or you're a fashion vlogger, you're probably not getting sponsored by brands to show off their clothes, their makeup early on. You're probably buying it for yourself, getting different lighting setups if you're place doesn't already have fan, like fantastic lighting investment in a camera and then like editing and everything like that like that's that's going to take time that's going to take resources and those are costs that you have to incur just to get it started i would say the best way to look at any of these uh types of influencer outlets is look at it as if it's a startup business Startup businesses, when you look at entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs is like, yeah, they make their own hours, but to get their business up and running, they're putting in a lot more hours than any other nine to five person would. And it's, I think it's more appropriate to look at it that way than look at it as a hobby that could turn profitable because there are a lot more people who are constantly grinding, trying to get their presence out there, their influence out there, 
than those who are just coasting and have people working for them. And that's, I would say, looking at it as an entrepreneurship venture is the best way to look at it. And also, YouTube, like I said, it's a very saturated market. There's hundreds of hours of content uploaded to YouTube every single minute. Um, and the density with which you have to stand out is very hard like how there's a unbelievable amount of just just makeup artists on youtube that's it fitting like makeup artists fitness channels art channels like there's there's a ton of them and to say that someone that has thirty thousand youtube subscribers isn't doing well is completely false that's fantastic especially like especially by like early 2010s metrics like 30,000 subscribers is a really good thing but just looking at the explosion of people who have 1 million or more subscribers is insane um i remember looking there was le less than 100 people who had 1 million subscribers back in like 2011 was it but now i mean we're in over a thousand <laughs> over a thousand people have mil have a million even more like more people have 500,000 and more. There's so many people who have 10 million subscribers, which was just unfathomable half a decade and some change ago. Just that's so many people on YouTube now because one, it is profitable, but two, it's just grown in popularity as well. I mean, I YouTube, I saw somewhere it was like the number is, is in the top three most used search engines in the in the US, I believe. Um, so it's just blowing up and YouTube went from funny cat videos to, uh, tutorials to how to cook and how to work out and watching and watching sports highlights to video game highlights to comedy to whatever it may be. Um, I'm talking about Twitch specifically, um, and Twitch mixer, whatever it may be, because there are now multiple players in the game, in the video game content industry as I should have mentioned earlier, there was this really big, I would say, content creator free agency period that happened like like in 2019 where Ninja went from Twitch where he was, you know, most followed mo in the top three most subscribed people on Twitch. He went to Microsoft's platform Mixer, which is like embedded into like the Xbox uh, one homepage, and I was like, what's Mixer? I don't care. Give me Twitch. And now he's on Mixer. It's like, oh, okay. And then one other uh, prominent first-person shooter streamer, Shroud, um, he joined Mixer as well. So it was this huge wave of people signing exclusive deals to move from Twitch to go to Mixer. Courage JD, who's in one of my favorite esports organizations, he went from Twitch to YouTube gaming. So that was a really big deal that happened there and then um certain people had announced lifetime deals to stay on twitch uh as this all blew up so there's so many different things to consider there um so going into back into video game streaming so i've it's twitch but also youtube mixer they are massive and i mean absolutely massive upfront costs that go into video game streaming if you're going to have a good setup right so just off the top of my head, the most basic streaming setup, you need a microphone, you need a console, uh, you need a monitor, 
you're gonna need a laptop with a good processor and a good graphics card. You're gonna need a capture card. You're gonna need a headset with like a tuning mixer. And you have to either, and you probably have to be good. Either good at the game or funny. And I would say that, especially with the way certain, like the rise in esports and video game concentration is going, you have to be good. I mean, you have to be good at these games i mean just fortnite two years ago you could be a certifiable bot uh i mean pre ninja drake stream you could be awful and win i mean downright awful now i'm like i used to i used to play fortnite four or five hours a day um now watching that and watching like the really good players i'm like i don't even know what's going on here i I can't even tell you what they did when you show me a clip of theirs like i can't i can't even tell you it's like they're playing a different game and i'm just like oh whatever um so there's a lot of upfront costs like like no one randomly has a capture card to record content in their house like you may if you play video games casually or even like like routinely you probably have like a console like a nintendo switch a playstation 4 um a xbox one maybe you even have like a gaming pc or a gaming laptop so you can play you might have a mic if you play with friends and like a monitor if you play on pc or like a tv if you play on like uh if you play on xbox ps4 whatever it may be a switch but you probably haven't paid the highest amount of attention to having a really really good headset or having like a really really good microphone or a really really good graphics card in your computer laptop whatever it may be um so those costs come quickly like um the microphone that i got for said podcast that we're doing right now i paid for on black friday and it was still over a hundred dollars the better capture <clears throat> excuse me better capture cards i've seen are in the neighborhood of 150 plus dollars like the really good ones uh monitors are monitors and then you know do you, good like most people are custom building pcs but these custom parts also cost a lot of money some people do i mean the top echelon of streamers they have two pcs like one to one to play the games on and one to stream from so there's a lot of costs and especially if you don't have really good internet like that's also going to matter how like your game is like played and how's your connectivity how long does it take you to upload and things like that and then i would also say twitch is like a like twitch and video game streaming it's easy to say right now given the perspective that it it's definitely it definitely feels like a bubble not that it was a gigantic burst but there was definitely a lull that had something to do with how well fortnite was doing like it it was the most popular game out there like you fortnite was like pokemon go for a little like for a little bit like everywhere you went that's what mattered and when fortnite was doing well it Twitch did well and Mixer did well and YouTube did well, but Fortnite is not the most popular game. It's still it's still, I would say, top ten most popular games out there. But 
Call of Duty's out and they released like a battle royale mode, so that's really taking precedent over Fortnite. And even this is usually esports season, so you have League of Legends, Call of Duty, World of Warcraft. Those usually take over again. Um, and Counter Strike is still massively popular with and those kinds of things. So you like the 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 people who had like Ninja had, does not have over 200,000 subscribers anymore like that's definitely not the case i'm not even i'm not sure if there's anyone who has over 100,000 but there were people who were pushing 50 60 70,000 subscribers on a very consistent basis over like the mid to late 2018 year um so for the people who got in then if they didn't really if they if their wave was fortnite or whatever it may be and like that rise didn't capitulate it didn't really turn into anything then you're stuck with a lot of those upfront costs and equipment and maybe you just didn't get the following you were looking for because it's hard to get discovered without collaboration or someone hosts you or whatever it may be and lastly i would like to say that one of the biggest things that i've heard in terms of the risks involved with Content creation is just burnout. Um, a lot of con consumer, a lot of content creators that I've watched have said that burnout is very hard to fight and that you have to really have a passion for what you're doing and how you would like to get into it. And one of the more interesting things I've seen is like how people have completely blown up on TikTok out of nowhere and how that can have like some that, that can parallel into certain things like the most popular people on TikTok have now super massive Instagrams who could possibly turn it into a super popular YouTube whatever it may be but now that you have so many avenues pulling at you and you're constantly exposed you have less privacy and you have more people who know like you have more when you're you're now not just somebody out in public you are now a public figure so there are a lot of there are a lot of pitfalls and there are a lot of things that could come with the potential dollar signs that are seen in these avenues um so those are my two cents on the content creation sphere i have i like i said have a tiktok i do not expect anything to happen from it but i do consume a lot of uh content creators and these are the things that i've seen and these are the numbers that i've been able to gather throw together and add my uh perspective on things so wanted to say thank you for tuning in to the second episode of the podcast i would greatly appreciate if you tuned in again if you wanted to rate it on whatever uh uh, whatever platform you're listening on i know now i'm available on soundcloud spotify and apple music so whatever platform your choice if you want to leave leave a rating that'd be amazing thank you for tuning in i will catch you next time have a good day wash your hands and stay safe